Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into this classic episode of the show. Visit our website, whonewpodcast.com, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and on Facebook at whonewpodcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. Today we're taking a quick trip in the TARDIS with Who Classic. Today's episode is Terror of the Autons. It is the first serial of the eighth season. It's written by Robert Holmes, directed by Barry Letts. It originally aired on the 2nd of January to the 23rd of January in 1971. Episode 4 got the highest views, 8.4 million viewers. The third Doctor is played by John Pertwee. Joe Grant is played by Katie Manning. The Brigadier is played by Nicholas Courtney. And we have The Master being played by Roger Delgado. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Hi, this is Frank. This is Kelsey. Hello, this is Auburn. This is Josh. This is Brian. We hear a familiar whooshing sound as a blue horse trailer (laughs) (laughs) materializes on the fairgrounds of the Traveling International Circus. Luigi Rossini, the (laughs) the circus owner, goes over to confront the man who steps out of the trailer. It is the master, another Time Lord, who hypnotizes Rossini. They go to the nearby National Space Museum and steal something. I love how they opened up on these lions in the cage, and they're all just sitting there bored, and you and hear I, the yeah. lion roar. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? It's from the one off camera. <laughs> At first, I was kind of impressed they got real animals, but obviously they went to a circus and it slipped them some bucks. I wonder if some of those shots were actually just stock footage. Oh, it could have been, yeah. But there, were... but there is a scene with the doctor and the elephants. Right. I like how when the master comes out, he kind of like takes a quick glance at the TARDIS to say, well, what shape did it take this time? Because his chameleon circuit works. So it's mm-hmm. blending in. So oh. if he was going somewhere else, it wouldn't look like a horse trailer. Is that mentioned in this episode? No, or is but that that's just how TARDISes and... work. Because it's a horse trailer carrying horses for the circus. circus. So it's blending into its environment, whereas the doctor's TARDIS is stuck on the police box. It's broken. Okay. And Our... I think they made it blue just so that we knew it was a TARDIS. A TARDIS. Oh, yeah, but... and thank God they did because the whooshing and fading in would you know, leave <laughs> us clueless. <laughs> that answer, I was going to ask if all TARDIS were blue because seeing this this horse trailer i thought it if if no one had said horse trailer i would have thought winnebago or yeah caravan caravan right. yeah. yeah and they called it a horse box i think just okay a, i don't know if it was that i don't it's just colloquialism i don't right. know yeah and maybe they are all blue but i don't think so <laughs> oh and by the way when i made the joke about luigi and lou um did you notice his accent changed yeah when he got called out i, I did <laughs> so but i like, wasn't he's sure like, about he's got it. this stereotypical italian accent your name is lou what you doing? Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't so. sure that that actually happened, but... Yeah, yeah he, he did. He just called him on it. The doctor is working on an experiment in his office at Unit when he is interrupted by his new assistant, Joe Grant. She shows him a report from the brigadier about the theft at the museum. The object that was stolen was on loan from Unit. It was an energy unit from the Nestine, an aggressive alien race who can control and transfer their consciousness into plastics. Do we all remember the Nestine? Yes. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for remembering. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, hey, Arlene. <laughs> 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 they were the first um, aliens that we met in Rose, the first episode with Christopher Eccleston. The shop oh, mannequins. Yeah. Yeah, and the mannequins, mannequins were moving. And, uh, living plastic. So oh. it's the big slug CGI thing that's in the lava. Yeah. 
That's why I didn't remember. Oh, yes. We're back to that, Arlene. <laughs> <laughs> and the doctor here mentions he didn't want to commit murder. That's why he didn't destroy the, the uh, rock. The unit. Which appeared previously in Spearhead in Space. Yeah. Or Sp- Spearhead from Space. I like the awkwardness of uh, Joe meeting the doctor and how he had just gotten rid of a companion, Liz Shaw. Well, he didn't get rid of her. She left. I'm being funny. Brian, you want to do the backstory? Okay. Well, Liz Shaw was the... F- third doctor's first companion she was actually the chief scientist at unit and then the doctor shows up and the doctor is the chief scientist Mm -hmm. of unit and so she works with the doctor and she was very smart she's a scientist and uh this episode makes it seem like liz got a little tired of working with the doctor and so went back to cambridge when he's meeting joe and i want your opinion on this is the doctor sexist or is he just an arrogant ass (laughs) b a little bit. I think everyone in this whole episode is C, kind of sexist. Mm-hmm. A and B. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's any more sexist than the rest of the society. I kind of look. It's like when you see him also with everybody in this episode. He treats everybody inferior, you know. And and you know, the first time I watched this, it's like wow, sexism in the seventies. And I also I love it when the the brigadier calls him out on it because the doctor is saying I want somebody smart and intelligent I want a scientist and he, the brigadier's like No you don't you want somebody to say you're great and hand you notes because yeah he was talking about Liz at that point you know Liz was a competent really good scientist and I want somebody like that with her qualifications because no Liz even said Oh you want someone to say that you're great so I think it's more just being pompous it's just the doctor's arrogance in just a sexist time. He does when you say, he did come around with her uh, at a certain point, like ha- kind of halfway through. There is an arc there. Yeah. Because once he stops talking to her that way, he and he's kind of treating her more as a as an equal. Well, I don't know if he ever talks to her like an equal. Well, but as much as he he's does, he's friendly. He's to not her. insulting to her anymore. Yes, he's not insulting after to her a certain anymore. point. Yeah. Whereas everyone else, he's still kind of insults. I mean, the whole thing does have a sexist attitude. Even Yates with Joe later on, you know, they have yeah. their banter, and but he, it's almost more like oh. I'm not trying to say it. It's like he knows he's being sexist when he talks to her and she gives it back. And, and they do establish early on with Joe. Joe says, you know, no, I'm a full agent. It's like, is it because she's a woman or is, does, does she looks really young? And then she's like, no, I'm a full agent. I'm trained in safe cracking and cryptozoology. Crypto, yeah. If she, she can break codes. And I think they're just playing it up against the doctor's arrogance. Because the brigadier doesn't seem to mind joe being there it's right. like this is this is your assistant she's gonna be good what year was 71 71 and then um the time where it seems a little bit more sexist it's a little later on but it's when they ask her not to come along like oh you're too delicate mm-hmm. i thought it was situation. that she seemed too green you know, okay but it also had that tinge definitely mm-hmm. of sexism well, that's when she goes okay fine and disregards what they're saying and does her own thing anyway right mm-hmm. why is the doctor working at unit the brigadier was introduced with the second doctor and they were buddies and then when the third doctor comes around he's kind of exiled on earth so he doesn't really use the tardis as his mode of transportation gallifreyans punished him um they said you know you're you're not acting like a real time lord so you know, you, we're going to punish you. And they forced him, the, they forced the second doctor to regenerate into the third doctor. And then they exile him to Earth. And he still has his TARDIS, but it can't travel. Right, because of that broken... Broken. The dematerialization circuit. Yeah. It, in his first adventure, he hooks back up with the brigadier, convinces the brigadier that he's the doctor. And then, since he has nowhere to go, the, the brigadier's like, well, work for unit. This is what we do. And he does. So, so the third doctor's tenure is, for the most part, working with unit. Okay. It, interesting. That's more interesting 
there's a, that's a more interesting backstory than I thought that was going yeah. to be. Yeah. So, it, it, okay. it, and I mean, it was, it, it was done for many, many reasons. It was done for production reasons because it was cheaper. They could have standing mm-hmm. sets, whereas they were building everything when he was traveling through time. Um, they really did not like the history episodes, so mm-hmm. they didn't want to do history episodes anymore. And going into the future was expensive, and this was cost savings. And in our, in our current Doctor Who... Um, series. It's kind of they. They. Um, I. I have a memory of the doctor mentioning his time with Unit. Mm-hmm. He had a job. It was like his his teenage years or something. I don't know if he calls it teenage years, but, but and the third doctor does repair his TARDIS or the gal. The Time Lords give him his TARDIS back. I don't know the circumstances, but he does get a. Eventually, the third Doctor will have a fully working TARDIS, which is how when Sarah Jane gets introduced, they go back in time to the medieval, which is what we discussed in a previous podcast. With a Time Warrior. Yes. Yeah, I was curious about that. So, But the TARDIS did look the same mm-hmm. throughout all the times that we have. Slight the modification. Yeah. But, you know, like the remodeling it's, it's that they box. talk about. It's yeah. a blue box, yeah. But the main takeaway is that the Doctor never used, this third Doctor never used the TARDIS in the way we are used to him using it. What did fans think of that back then? Is they liked the doctor. Ask them, I guess. Or, the, or, the he, he's, he's, um, well, he was kind of a response to the James Bond stuff coming out at this yes. time. That's why he has his little Venetian jiu-jitsu and kung fu moves. Kung fu moves and, and Bessie, his car. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's augmented the car to have um, like a force field and someone tries to steal it, we'll lock them oh, in. And okay. he can. Does it really? Yeah. And wow. he's modified the car so that he can travel at extremely high speeds and stop on a dime oh. without the people they could've, he could've going modified. through the windshield. You know, the, the, the inertial dampeners are inside in the car. He could have modified it to have shocks. I know. <laughs> well, where's the fun in that? Oh, <laughs> That's what he loved about the car. <laughs> Is it... Did you see the license plate on it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Who won? <laughs> <laughs> does, it, does it have a roof that comes eventually? I don't so. think it ever had a roof. In Britain, wouldn't there are... Most days are rainy, yeah. They're used to it. He has a cloak. That's true. (laughs) The master goes to a radio telescope and kills Googe, an assistant scientist, (laughs) by shrinking him and locking him in Googe's lunchbox. (laughs) As you do. He attaches the nesting unit to the console to charge it. Another scientist, Professor Phillips, goes to the control cabin to investigate, and the master hypnotizes him as well. He sends Phillips to the circus grounds with the box in his car. He is to leave the car there and drive the horse trailer when the circus moves on. So that happened. (laughs) (laughs) That lunchbox effect was impressive for the time. I mean, I'm glad, like we've mentioned before, it's not a doll. Yeah, I'm very happy it's not a doll. And I think it works because it's a quick shot. You don't Mm -hmm. focus on it. I like to have the brigadier made the doctor fire Joe Grant. It's like, you don't Mm. want her? Fine, you fire her. And the doctor couldn't do it. It's like, okay, it seemed more like he was like, yeah, I'm being an idiot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Rather than her competence and that because of the relationship he has with the brigadier the brigadier can say these things to him and he'll listen i do like the relationship of the doctor and the brigadier um i think i think because there's implied history there so it feels more like a doctor companion relationship that i'm used to mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely because uh this is you said this is the second season with this third doctor I yes because it was liz yeah. shaw's season and then this season yeah, so right. so he's already been around over a year this this and, version uh, of the Doctor and the second Doctor yeah. saw the Brigadier twice. So that implied history is actual history. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, they, ha- they have built this relationship. And the Brigadier is considered a companion. And it is he respects the Doctor but also knows the Doctor can be a real pompous jerk. Mm-hmm. And he will immediately <laughs> call, call him out. Right. And the reverse is true, too. 
the doctor has a respect for the brigadier, but he also knows he can be a pompous military ass, and he'll smack him down if he needs to. The brigadier and Captain Yates arrive at unit and tell the doctor about the missing scientists from the radio telescope. They go to the telescope to investigate, and the doctor leaves the group to climb up to the control cabin. There he meets another Time Lord who warns the doctor that the master is on Earth. He also warns the doctor about a bomb the master placed in the control room and then disappears. The doctor stops the bomb from exploding and finds Googe's shrunken body. Hooray. So, so, tell us about yes. the time lords. <laughs> I just want to say, at first, I love this scene. That's just me. That time is lord. just you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love this scene. That time lord, I mean, he's an unnamed time lord. He, he doesn't have, like, um, like a title or anything. He's just is time this the lord. the first time we've ever seen him? That time lord, yes. They just, so in the past, other time lords have just popped up correct to be like and uh, they will to, again to give us hey don't go in that door yep they will just show up whenever they want to show up it definitely feels like q i mean to use our star trek oh, reference yeah. but yes. like that kind of omnipotent alien beings playing in the world and this is but from kind not of what having... the time lords were okay but the time lords don't play in the world the time lords take the opposite view right they are omniscient in their own view but they stay away they stay out of things oh so maybe is it because you know he's stuck there on earth we might as well throw him a bone every now and then don't let him set off that booby trap but... if you want yeah. to believe it that way yes the real reason is they needed to get the exposition out into the script well yeah but because yeah. if he's exiled on earth why would you want to help him i thought of more of gazoo rather than q gazoo <laughs> um, from the flintstones yeah, just yeah. Popped up. Uh, <laughs> you know the, the, you're told straight out exactly what the master is you know he's a renegade time lord he causes trouble he's smarter than the doctor he did better in school which means that they went to the same school so you're learning a lot of like world building information in this scene and yeah it's just kind of like Hi, I'm here to give exposition, and then I'm going to leave. Good luck. I think if he would have had a better entrance, I would have then been able to listen to all this interesting dialogue. But I was so thrown off. I was like, oh, what's this little person doing? Like this little tiny, like, oh, someone else got shrunk. Oh, wait, no, what's happening? He's growing bigger. Okay. He was hanging out there. He was he was like 30 feet. Yeah, but because of the but because and of then the, he came forward. The I thought he was small. Technology <laughs> no, at the time. I thought he was out in the distance. No, he was out there and then he floated in. He yes. floated in. Oh. It didn't look like that, so it was confusing. And I feel like that's my relationship with this entire episode is I spend half the time going, what is going on? Right, right. I'm trying to figure out what's going on and I'm missing all of the dialogue yes. that I guess is telling me what's going on. Yeah. And like we've so. said offline, when you, we watched these the second time, we liked it better. You do keep catching more things the more you watch because the technology and the effects aren't pulling you out of the story. But I think it is written more, at least this season or with this episode that we saw, for kids where you don't need to explain yeah. everything. You can make these jumps. It's like, this is the part that's really important that we're showing you. How they got there, what they're doing, what they found out. You don't need that when you're, you know, nine or ten and watching this. There are also a lot of, like, long pauses of people thinking and doing something off screen. And I can't imagine kids having the patience to watch it. Well, so remember, then, it's only yeah. in half-hour increments back then. Even still. Oh, no, we did. Seriously, this <laughs> okay. is before MTV editing. I'm not doubting it. I'm just saying yeah. it's just, there were a lot of just pauses of him. Someone says something to him, and then he thinks, but you don't really see that he's thinking, and there's, just, oh, yeah. there's we, a, lot of, we, a lot of fat. We had, yeah, growing up on Saturday morning things, there's a the lot 70s. of things you, yeah. you look I mean, yeah, at it and you it's go. It's definitely a sign of the time. How I mean, on earth did I watch this? But we couldn't look away. 
there was, you know, Electra Woman and Dinah Girl and Dr. Shrinker and all those really bad Saturday morning Shazam shows. and Isis. And, you know, I'm sure they're just as slow oh, yeah. as Doctor Who. But we loved them. Uh, I'm not... Uh, yep. <laughs> One thing, uh, seeing more Time Lords, it does... Because I I only know the the modern show mostly. I I do feel like we're missing out on something with all of the Gallifreyans being like kind of taken out of the story. I know we will eventually get to see some more later than where we're at right now in the podcast itself. But they they are an interesting character that probably would have been. I mean, at least I I feel like it would have been neat to see more of them. I know we get the Doctor and the Master that we just watched. Um, in the modern show, but it would have been cool to see more of these like Butler guys with umbrellas popping up. And I'm sure that the, the modern show would have done it in a more interesting way, like, like more interesting, different kinds of TARDIS that the, the Gallifreyans like came to, to either earth or to other stories that the doctor had. So it, it might be worth like seeing some of the older, like Gallifreyan intrigue that, you know, we don't get in this show just for you guys thinking yeah, about, we are thinking about Okay. That. You find out that the doctor, so, you know, the doctor knows the master. He's dealt with the master before. Uh, The one thing I just wanted to point out is that he says quickly um, that the master's weakness is vanity. Yeah, I thought that was ironic. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Especially with this doctor being the dandy of the... Right, exactly. (laughs) But this is the first time, like, any audience is seeing the master? Yes, this episode has a couple of firsts. It's the first of Joe Grant, which is the companion. It's the first of the master, which is the... uh, Roger Delgado plays the master in this case. And I have it here that Captain Yates, this is his first episode. Richard Franklin plays Captain Yates, so... But we're learning all of the master's like skills and uh, we're learning motivations everything about the with master them. His, okay. Yeah, his weapons as well. Okay. Because I know like it's great storytelling to talk about something as if it's happened before, but yeah, kind of taking these out of context. Like sometimes I don't know if there is more context that was in the, a different right. show. So it's it's good to know and that this is You a would first easily slate. get that from this episode because they're talking about the Nestine and Autons past history. Oh, and we, they're talking about the master's past history. Well, we've never seen the master before, but we have seen the Autons and okay. the Nestine before. So those references are to previous episodes. In Yates, they say, was in that Nestine episode yes. before. The spearhead in space. But I don't think it was. I think they're just trying to bring him into the storyline. So any listeners know about Captain Yates, let us know. <laughs> Mike. Mike. The master visits a plastics factory and hypnotizes the owner, Rex Farrell. Together, they alter the chemical makeup of the plastic, connect the Nestine unit, and begin to create bodies. Mr. McDermott, a longtime loyal employee, dislikes the changes, and the fact that Mr. Farrell seems to hand over the company to this unknown Colonel Masters. He calls Farrell's father, who started the company, to talk sense into his son. He confronts the master about the quality of the new plastic and is suffocated by a plastic (laughs) chair. Yep. The master is disappointed as... I am, <laughs> with the amount of plastic needed, and devises a way to kill humans more efficiently. No, I didn't catch that. That that was why. That I maybe I, maybe I did that. That he no. was disappointed in that. Yeah, there, it took yards of plastic to do this. They could be much more efficiently with just inches. Uh, that shot was reversed, and they use it several times in this episode. Yeah. Does anybody remember plastic furniture or yes. beanbag oh, chairs yeah. and yes, trying to get I out of them? <laughs> I was wondering if in the seventies they had plastic chairs. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it was just it was an odd choice, I guess. Well, it was, it was new production. at the time. Right? Yeah, it was seventy one. It was new so at the time. Okay. Probably in the mid seventies is when we got big into 
plastic. And anybody okay, so who that had a... would have been an oppressive shot in 1971. Oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, it would have looked okay. dreadful then, too. Somebody probably on the production, ooh, look, and I spent, you know, I spent five pounds on this, and it's a really cheap way of having somebody die. It's awful. But it is Still made for little so... kids. And, and that's a little kid moment where it's just like, oh. The chair is killing him. Especially the parents just bought a chair. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's in our house. <laughs> but what I think this episode is doing, back to what you're saying about the chair, is that it's taking things that are current in that time period and making them scary. Like plastic chairs are new and I'll bring up the other ones that are coming up soon. Yeah. I feel like one of the writers in the writer's room was really old because of the fact that this is when plastic is starting to take over everything in the household. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there's plastic plates and there's plastic bowls and now there's plastic furniture and people were, there were some people who were really afraid of that Mm -hmm. happening and there's other people, oh cool, it's new. And so... Yeah, by 19, in 1975, people were still drinking their milk out of glass bottles. So it's, you have to think about it, it's still plastic. It's fairly new mm-hmm, in the right. household. So maybe I'm just like looking at this wrong, the scene. It was supposed to be a plastic chair. Mm-hmm. See, the, on the storyline, McDermott <laughs> isn't surprised that this blob of plastic changed itself into a plastic chair. No, it was a self-inflating plastic chair. Okay. You know, so it was oh, supposed to be a plastic okay. chair. See, because I it was supposed is... to be this magical moment that no one had ever seen before. Right. No. Like, it could have inflated. It could have started to inflate. They could have cut to the other people, cut back, and it's inflated. But we watched the whole <laughs> thing. <laughs> or the, the master could have just been like, take, for instance, this, this plastic, plastic inflatable chair. <laughs> Watch how I'm well, going to cause the plastic to kill this person. Right. Well, I do think Brian's right. Like, it still was relatively new technology for people on TV to see it actually inflate. But they didn't have to watch the whole thing. That's why I thought it was a... The joke of it was... The gag of it was is that it was a solid piece of plastic that became a chair out of sci-fi magic. I'm with you, Josh. That's what I thought. And that's why I thought it was ridiculous that they were using... That's why you thought it was ridiculous? <laughs> yes, because I was like, who's going to buy this this right. scene? But now that we because everyone that? knows, because everyone knows, oh, that's an inflatable plastic chair. Right. Like, I have right. one in my den. Yeah, but now that we know what the plot of the whole show was, I see what you're saying yes. now that he was like, this is this is a waste of materials. Yes. We're going to put this in everyone's home. Yeah, you kind of right. get it on the yeah. second viewing. Yeah, yeah, okay. I get it now. Yeah. yeah McDermott didn't seem phased by a, a solid plastic thing turning into a chair. No. That's not who was you know upset about. Well, it was upset because plastic is supposed to be nice and warm and cozy. And this is black and, <laughs> and ugly this is and cold. Oh, stupid. Clammy? It's like when it's the wrong texture clammy? of plastic. So cold? that's oh, what he was going for. I thought for. he was saying that because it was an alien being. No, I didn't yes, think it was. I, I don't he think just thought I it was ugly th- plastic. He, was they a changed plastic the, he changed their plastic. It's like now we lost everything for the today because now I didn't you've get changed that. the I thought he thing. Was, it's supposed to be a different feel. I thought it's it was a, a weird feeling yeah. because it was an alien. He's the plastics guy. This right, is, you right. know, his plastics, you know. He's, I get it. No, I, don't, I bet you I will like this more in second viewing. But he's <laughs> also not the really, really brightest person either because, you know, when it's starting to move and grab him stand up well he's being hypnotized to sit down oh is that what it is is that what it is (laughs) yeah yeah because he's like i don't want to do with this it's cold you know it's not the texture and the doctor's doing that and he's then rubbing his head right because he's like being hypnotized to sit down so he sits down 
And then so really, the master's plan is really bad all around. And but the master realizes that moves well, on to something on. else. <laughs> or it could be the fumes from the plastic keeping him <laughs> sedated. <laughs> but that's what I was saying. Did you ever try and get out of one of those that's not fully inflated? It's gone. <laughs> yes, but still, there's it nothing to really push against. Although you know what, I have almost died trying to get out of those chairs. Were you in a plastics factory? No, I was in the seventies. This takes place in the seventies. I had a pink one. Yeah, we had a black. And you could Uh-oh. see through it. Like, you could see yeah. through. It was like I remember those. I remember this. Yeah. 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 That was the 90s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to point out here, this is the scene where at one point the master says, he's talking about the doctor, and he says the doctor's weakness is curiosity. So, but you, but, you know, there's kind of some parallels going on here where the, you know, that, oh, the master's weakness is vanity, and the doctor's, or the doctor's weakness is curiosity. They're giving you the, these guys are equals. But they're opposites. So but I think the that's same. yeah. That's the, the, they're the it's the growth of the we're making a Moriarty to a Holmes. That's exactly what I got. Yeah, I really like the actor. Mm. Really, oh yeah, I really like Delgado is great. Yeah, very mustache twirling. Well, yes, it's like but... I wonder who the bad guy is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one that has the facial hair. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the Moriartyness of uh, the master, and that came about because the brigadier and the doctor became Sherlock Holmes and uh, John Watson, and mm. then they needed that third character to round out the trio, and so that's why they introduced the master. I also like how he, the, the doctor says to them, "Oh, you think um, you think you can't hypnotize somebody to kill themselves?" Which is directly years later what the tenth doctor says in in his first episode. He's like with the blood control. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh, you can hypnotize someone, but you can't hypnotize them to death." Third doctor is saying, "So you think you can't hypnotize somebody to death?" Well, that's wrong. You can. So I just thought that was a fun little parallel. One little scene that was in part of this as the doctor and the brigadier and the doctor had defused that bomb that the master left for him. And the brigadier's like, oh, great, we can use it. It's that could be right. that powerful. And the doctor says, no, I've already destroyed it. I'm not giving this to unit. You have no right and to this weapon. the doctor. It was just one little scene, just a few lines that I thought did really well. Also between the relationship of the brigadier, we can use this alien technology. Or the doctor saying, no, you... you can't. I don't trust you guys with this. I don't right. trust anybody with this. Yeah. I also liked it earlier when he's taking it apart and Yates is like, is it diffused? Pause, pause, pause. Now it is. <laughs> uh, I just like the fact that the curiosity aspect of the doctor continues on throughout his several regenerations or incarnations. And like, I guess this one is most realized with the 10th doctor in the, the Satan pit and the impossible planet where right. his curiosity is what drives him to explore what's mm-hmm. down in the pit. Oh, yeah. Professor Phillips' car is found abandoned after the circus moves on. It was, in it was the crate, which is brought back to unit. Joe goes on her own to investigate, finds the factory, and is discovered by the master who, you guessed it, hypnotizes her. <laughs> she is sent back to unit with instructions to open the crate, which will explode when opened. The doctor stops her and throws the bomb out the window to the painting of the sea in the backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And is it, is it the sergeant or is it Yates who's like, oh, you there's a you just threw a bomb into the harbor. We're going to get complaints about that. And the doctor's like, you're not dead. <laughs> but they don't really play up the fact that Joe goes out on her own and finds the right factor. Yeah, she makes that the last time you yeah, see her, she's really like, talk about that oh, well, she has that last line when when everybody's like getting their jobs to do. And she's like, oh, OK, I'm going to go off and make lists <laughs> like a good little secretary. And she doesn't. She goes off investigating and get, finds a plastics factory. The first person to go, well, we're dealing with plastics. 
Let's go to a plastics factory. But then the silly girl has to knock over the things making the noise. Love the way she punched the guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. With all her weight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She gave it all she could. Like an action doll. I was going to say. Are you about to wind up? Kung Fu action. (laughs) Punch. <laughs> a lot of a lot of slaps and punches seem to knock people out on the ground in the, this. The seventies were a weaker when people time. get shot, they fall forward. Well, yes, what, they do. <laughs> well, half of acting is reacting. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Rex's father arrives at the factory, unhappy about the master's influence over his son and the factory. The master tries to hypnotize him, but he resists. Mm. He orders his son to get rid of Colonel Masters and return the factory to normal, or he will come out of retirement and take control himself. The master gives Mr. Farrell an ugly doll as a sample of the plastic. The doll begins to move in the back seat of the car until he turns on the air to cool down the car, making the doll dormant once again. Phew. He takes the doll into his home to show his wife. As you do. They worry about their son's ability to run the company. <laughs> As she leaves the room, the doll wakes and kills Mr. Farrell. This doll is ridiculous. Ugly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought that backseat shot, though, was <laughs> impressive for the technology they had well, again I at the time. No, or the it time. Was, uh, no. Or the time. It, the only thing I would have liked were to have shadows on it. But other than that, I mean, if it wasn't moving, it looked like it was a doll in the backseat. <laughs> It realized all my childhood fears that my dolls were going to come to life <laughs> and murder me. See, so it was effective. <laughs> effective. It was creepy looking. Yeah. Especially when it moved. Mm-hmm. It the was, little person that it, they put yeah. in there. Who couldn't get up. Who couldn't, because of the plastic. <laughs> it was, oh, or the creepy. rubber. I don't know what they used. Oh, that wasn't how they looked. They didn't just get a guy look like that and they made a... Well, he's naked, though. I don't know. That's really gross. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that image, Josh. <laughs> when were the troll dolls made the 60s. 80s? 60s i think it was the 60s yeah the first 60s, one 60s? but this is not a troll doll i mean it's a troll of a doll <laughs> but the idea of the supposed ugly cute doll you look at it, it's not it the greatest but well, you know, bugs with it. there would be some kids who would want a doll like that because they like ugly looking things like, but still it's like to scare their siblings mm, no i mean is... ugly doll is a thing just now ugly. so it's a trendsetter <laughs> Doctor Who was uh, forward thinking. Yeah, I do like the fact that the father throws off the hypnotism. Do you think it's because he's older? No, no, I just think no, he's, he's a strong he's got a willed. Okay. He's a strong willed person. Just wondering if like his you know. cataracts were going or something. <laughs> he was always worried about everything. At that point, that was your life. You put your whole life. Oh in yeah, it. you built that business. There was everything, and it's like you just gave it over to your son. It seemed like that was a recent transition. Transition. Transfer. Transition. Because of what McDermott was saying, I'll call your father. The doctor locates the circus and Joe sneaks a ride in his back seat. He finds the master's TARDIS but is captured by Rossini and the strong man Tony. Joe sees this and calls the brigadier for backup and then sees Professor Phillips enter the horse trailer. Rossini interrogates the doctor and then decides to call the master for instructions. Tony is left to guard the doctor but Joe sneaks up on him and knocks him out. Philip arrives with orders to kill the doctor but fights the command, killing himself instead. This scene, I don't care what you guys say, this made me laugh and makes the whole (laughs) story for me. Because, okay, they have the doctor, they have him tied up. He goes, right, my dear chap, there's no way, there's no need to do that. I'm perfectly prepared to answer all your questions. And then they start torturing him. Uh, uh, yeah. What was the question? And then he goes on further to go, you've got no right to keep me here, you know. I've got a good mind to call for help. Help. 
Help. <laughs> just the way he does it is so stupid, but it made me laugh. And then the strongman. Do you guys remember the strongman? Uh, yeah, Roy that, Stewart is from, from that other episode. Yeah, right? good job. The uh, the first Cyberman episode. Second Cyberman. Episode. Second Cyber. This first one that we talked about. Yes, the oh. Tomb of the Cybermen. It's, it's the same the actor, Cybermen. the same character. Same actor, same actor. that played Tolberman in mm. Tomb of the Cybermen. And again, unfortunately, they have a black actor who yeah. apparently the only tall black actor talk. in Britain. In all of Britain. That's what he does. So sexist and racist. There you go. Yep. Okay. Hey, he got paid. It's a product of the time. And right before this, they were talking to Joe, trying to get her to remember what was going on and where the factory is, because she came out of the hypnosis. Her reaction of, I just can't remember, holding her head was a little bit over the top, I think. But then they're going, okay, you've been through a lot. Stay here. We're going to go investigate. And she has that side-eye look of, okay, I'll do what you men tell me to. And then she sneaks into the car and goes and saves the day. Then again, that's where Brian and I were saying that it's more sexist in this situation than it was. This situation is, I thought you were referring to earlier on when they get to the radio telescope and he says, no, I'll go up alone. Mm -hmm. I I don't think at that moment he's saying, you're just a woman and you can't handle the altitude. I just think it's the doctor being like, I don't want to be bothered with anybody else right now. Yeah. But this case, you're just kind of like, oh, all right, yeah, leave the girl. Yeah. Oh, you're too delicate. You just been through something really traumatic. And if a guy was through that same trauma, it'd be, shake it off, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pull up the bootstraps and let's go. Especially the brigadier. Yeah, if it happened Yates... You'd be man, step up. Walk it off. Yeah. But then that was so normal then. Actually, right. it kind of is kind well, of That's why she did the side too. eye. It's like, yeah, there's no <laughs> arguing with you. You're just going to say that and you're wrong. But why waste the breath in arguing? Yeah. But it is interesting that this was written by male writers who then wrote a woman going, uh-huh. Like, like, yes, I am going along with you. Okay. And I laughed at that going, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to smile. I'm just cute. To yeah. like distract the guy. And then she goes off and does whatever she wants and saves the day. She still contributes to the action. The writers wrote her to go, they want me to stay behind because I'm just a girl. And she doesn't. So it's like, it's kind of like for the product of its time, it's a little bit of the writers going, yeah, women don't buy this crap. Yeah, I think it's definitely calling out sexism. It's in the, it's in the script. In its time. Yeah. It's calling out sexism in a sexist way because it's 1971. Yeah. It just wouldn't be... It's just to point out now that it wouldn't be written that way now at all. The whole, yeah, I'll do it and then do whatever you want. Going along with it. Yeah, going on. No, it would be the defiance from the beginning. Right. Like, why are you treating me like this? Well, plus, I mean, the whole social revolution button was pushed just like two, two year, two, three years before this episode aired. Yeah. So this is actually their way of showing Mm -hmm. the woman who plays Uhura, Nichelle Nichols. She will say to her dying day, the miniskirts on the Enterprise that everybody laughs at now and says how sexist. She says, absolutely not. It was the opposite. Mm-hmm. Miniskirts in the 60s were a sign of women's freedom mm-hmm. and liberation and a sign of the revolution. We will wear what we want when we want to wear it. And she says that. She's like, nope, the miniskirts, that was progress. Whereas people nowadays look at that and go, that is the most ridiculous, stupid thing we've ever seen in our lives. Times change. No, the most ridiculous, stupid thing that I've ever seen in our lives was men wearing those mini shirts in the beginning of Next Generation. Yes, that was very stupid. Yes. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. The that for its time, it was very progressive. Um, it's just a subtle way of, for us to see what 
progressive was even backwards. Exactly. Then. And I yeah. think it's it's totally. interesting to look at now. Yeah, like now. I watch musicals that I loved when I was a child and I was like, why? Why would they say something like that? Another thing that Joe did that was I thought was really good and something that possibly a male companion would not do is she calls for help. You know, <laughs> she called the brigadier. This is what's going on. Dr. Trump will come over, you know. And then she also got the doctor out of the main trouble. But a lot of times a male person would just go in, not call for the backup and just by serendipity something I, else, they would just. I'm going to say a lot of helpful. companions would have just done that, men or women. But, but Joe time, calls the brigadier, right. which is like, yes, that makes sense. It's not because you're a weak female. It's because we need help. It's her unit exactly. training. It's her unit sure. training. Mm-hmm. The doctor and Joe escape Rossini's office, but make a quick stop at the trailer so the doctor can take the dematerialization circuit from it. Rossini and the circus people catch up to him and begin beating the doctor. Two policemen arrest the doctor and Joe and drive them away as the brigadier arrives. He and Captain Yates follow the police car to a quarry. Isn't it always a quarry? <laughs> it's the same quarry. A quarry quandary? The police are Autons. The Doctor and Joe make a run for it and jump in the car with the Brigadier and Yates, and they return to Unit. There, the Doctor tries to use the circuit with his TARDIS, but they are different and incompatible. Oh, Mac versus PC. (laughs) Here's another quote that I wrote from the Doctor when, what's wrong with being childish? I like being childish. Yes. But Joe was criticized for being childish earlier. Yes. And now... It's reversed. By the doctor? No, by... Yates. Is it Yates or Brigadier? You're being childish. Yes. Yeah, okay. Right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, fine. Um, It's another example of, no, it's not because you're a woman. It's because you're being childish. Because then, the doctor, doctor, you're being childish, doctor. But he says it is a bit of a tantrum. I like being childish because I can be what I want. It was was because of arrogance. But in the fourth doctor later on, likes being childish because of the wonder of it. Yeah. Because he just likes being a Because it's just fun. Yeah. You know, but it's the way that it was taken. It's mm-hmm. like he's doing it really just because, no, he knows he's wrong and just still being pompous and can't say he was wrong. And the way he comes out of the TARDIS smoke, like smoking from the not working circuit. <laughs> yeah. It's just hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the face masks. Yeah. It's like, hi, I'm an actor. <laughs> then you cut back. Hi. I'm a guy <laughs> with a mask. <laughs> Covered with this really bad plastic and oh. some blue screen. Are you talking about the close-up? Of the cop, the cop, cop driving the car? I think the second shot isn't even an actor. It's just a dummy, dummy. head yeah. with a mask over <laughs> it's it. It's so terrible. I'm like, this is how you end the episode? <laughs> and the eyes are even still silver from underneath it. Like, mm-hmm. they've been looking at him the whole time. Yeah. Then when you see the other cop whose mask hasn't fallen off yet, his eyes are perfectly fine. Can you just see them in the editing room going, how, how are we going to do this? How quick can we make this cut? I don't think there's barely any one establishing shot in the whole show because they keep switching. <laughs> Switching locations, yeah. and it's just like a slam cut, like it's the same scene. Watching the doctor get beat up was yep. a different thing than yeah. I've seen on the recent show, and it was and Joe and Joe, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it definitely uh, made me uncomfortable to see that happen because they had a bat. I mean, there was a group of people; like yeah. he would be very injured if that right. was a real beatdown. I mean, yeah, there are parts of this where see. you're just kind of going, "Ooh, they wouldn't do that today." Yeah, there's a bunch of times in this episode where the doctor kind of felt like a regular person at times i i I can't recall many uh, instances but i remember thinking that a few times well because this was the james bond era right right you know so it was much more not that it's 
good or bad. It just it struck me how different it was, like Auburn's saying. Well, and then right right after the cliffhanger of the the Alton being the police officer, the doctor's first reaction wasn't to try to talk to or reason with the plastic. It was that karate chop right. in in a driving vehicle. You know, <laughs> um, that that also came out at me as just like not what I'm used to seeing from the doctor. Well, how do you rationalize with plastic? Yeah, I'm trying to remember from Rose if he, he doesn't tried, ra- no, he doesn't, he doesn't rationalize try to talk to with plastic. He rationalizes. He tries to rationalize with the nestine. Right. But he doesn't do it with the autons. He and, rips an arm off in the autons. Right. And he would have known like as you guys said that he's had experience with the nestine at mm-hmm. least and the autons yeah, as well. Yeah, he knows they're kind okay. of mindless. And that's kind of how we're trying to retroize. Sure. No, it really was just karate chop it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love how they you can't shoot it they're autons you can't shoot it i love yates it's just like i'm gonna run him over with the car right. <laughs> that, that was just, my favorite moment great. It, was so great. it was just like yeah I'm, I'm not taking any crap from this you're you're going over the hill Dude, and, and that guy went down yeah. that hill i'm watching it i'm like oh my god that's a, that's some stunt that's what I, that's so funny. We did watch this together. Yeah, right. Right. That was my thing. So I was also like, ooh, good and then job, I was one, I was like, That was awesome. I was like, he seems he pretty... his paycheck. He seems pretty awake for, for someone who's going to be like unconscious at the end, but then he got right back up yeah. and kept going. And so I, that was probably the most impressive filmmaking part of this whole... Uh, that was stuntman Denny Powell. And All right, he, Denny. Oh, good job, Denny. And he asked to specifically do that. Oh, oh nice. yeah. Good for him. It was also in that car ride uh, at the beginning of it, Kelsey... I think you notice some of like the the very casual sexism of the doctor. The way that he responded to Joe, like, was she looking at the dematerialization circuit? No, and just he... a lot of that. This that scene and the previous scene where she rescues him. They duck for the bomb to explode outside, and then to get her to get up, the doctor pats Joe on the side, hip, butt, talks area, and I was just like, oh. Well, wouldn't that get you to move, get up quickly? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it wasn't, I'm not used to seeing that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on a kid's show. On a kid's show, like, he could have said, let's go. Right. But the, the, and then in the car ride, he's, she's, um, he nudges her away at one point, or just, just the whole. He is dismissing Just her the, the way, just the patronizing way that the doctor treats <laughs> Joe bothered me. I think it's supposed to because I don't think there was much of that towards the end of this mm-hmm. this this story arc of the four episodes. Like she wins him over. Joe Joe is Joe is a strong character, and I do really like Joe. I like a lot of her episodes, but she is the the, the companion there to be like, what is it, Doctor? But what you're saying about her, you need to explain this to Joe. The commentary says that that was the purpose of that character, mm-hmm. regardless of who it would have been. Because the previous companion, Liz Shaw, was smart mm-hmm. with the doctor. So they were like, okay, do this, do this. Okay, let's go. As opposed to, why do we need to do this? Yeah. Why do we need to do that? They needed the stupid character. So not that, stupid, the young. The non- they, well, they needed the character to ask. Explain to the, the audience. Yes, yeah, they needed the character to be the audience. Uh, it has been days with no word of the master's location. He has been creating plastic flowers and distributing them around the city using the autons in big, fat, really ugly carnival masks. A man from the ministry, Brown Rose, that's that's Brown Rose, gotcha. not Brown Nose, right. arrives at unit and tells him about a group of recent deaths by asphyxiation. There is no connection among the victims except for the first two who worked at the same plastics factory, McDermott and Mr. Farrell Sr. The doctor and Joe visit Widow Farrell, who tells them about how they worried about their son and the new client, Colonel Masters. 
She also gives them the doll. Hooray. Um, that, those ugly carnival masks, those were real-life real things in uh, Britain at the time. I'm they so were, sorry. They were used to give samples of, I think, detergent around to like people in the markets. They literally walked up to people, gave people things for the people to use, mm -hmm. and people took them? That's another thing the story is doing, is taking someplace that's common and making it terrifying. Oh. It's I'm teaching not... you don't take anything from someone wearing a mask. Joe earlier had mentioned about the promotional flowers, and the doctor just dismissed it. Mm. But then it was brought up by Yates. It's like, oh, really? What Joe did it again. <laughs> <laughs> she knew. Um, I was just, uh, this This might be a, a, a dumb epiphany, but I just had an epiphany. So, <laughs> so at the beginning, Colors. it's a plastic a chair that kills people, and then it's a doll that kills people, and then finally it's the flower. So the master was refining this yeah, whole that's... time. He was like trying, to, he was experimenting. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just realized that just now. <laughs> he was refining his plan. Yes. Yeah, I do remember plastics. you saying that, but oh, now plastics. I just realized that, oh, no, that was in the episode. I think yeah. also, too, they talk so fast in these, in these earlier episodes. If you, uh, if you do watch it a second time, yeah. put the captions on. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You really do catch a little bit more mm -hmm. when the captions are on. Because that's oh, what sure. we do. I was half paying attention to it, and I still <laughs> got it. Well, you, well okay. <laughs> I think it's more of the writing period. Yeah. You know, writing time. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were making a statement. <laughs> <laughs> By the, the time I saw the flower, I'm like, huh, that's pretty clever to like, that's how they show that they've progressed and made things better. And then they also have like the phone cord by this time too. Mm -hmm. Well, we're getting there. We're going to yeah. get there. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's clever. And that's all, that's all I thought. I'm like, hmm, good way of not telling us that we're dumb and can't figure it out on our own. But had no but one seen Star Trek four years earlier and know that big plasticky looking flowers like that will shoot things at you <laughs> make you do things you don't want to do maybe that's where they got the inspiration from maybe no i have never seen star trek sorry we're just gonna let that go <laughs> set phasers um, to angry in all in, <laughs> uh in all eugene in all your work research for this episode did they write the master did they know they were going to bring the master back Yes, that is correct. So a lot of this master stuff is set up. The impetus of this is that they needed a villain to carry through the whole season. So this whole season has the master coming back, like the Sea Devils and these other episodes are all the master. Are they really? Mm -hmm. Oh, I did not know that. And there okay. wasn't a better one? No, <laughs> we tried. We tried. We really did. Um, because, I mean, even though the master and the doctor don't have any scenes together, they're always talking about each other. Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, and not yet. Well, not yet from where we are in the story, but... Right, and we're like three episodes in. That's true. They haven't, they haven't met yet. Okay. They haven't met yet. Okay. Like Khan and Kirk. Exactly. Um, While wow, you were sleeping. Set phasers. Because, you know, one point in, in the, around this time period, you know, the, the master's describing the doctor, and the doctor is an interesting adversary. So it's like, they, they you know, they're really setting it up. Um, yeah, like you know, building up to this building thing. up like this guy's more than just a one-off. Um, and then there isn't later on after Joe says that Doctor acts childish. Um, the doctor says, "Well, the master won't give up because he's too conceited." I love Joe gives him that. Well, you would know. Look, yeah, she does that. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frank mentioned earlier the music. I hate the music in this. It's yes, horrible. It's awful. I felt as if the production team had a bunch of new tools and toys that they were given, like the blue screen. The what we talked about earlier, the reverse shots. They used a sports camera 
when it wasn't being used for sports mm. so that they could rewind the footage. So they had that new toy and then they had um, electronic music or early electronic music. And I feel the music really takes me more out of it than like the, the old style of TV making. There were moments in this story when they would layer music and like rushing like sound effects and dialogue that, yeah, that is a lot of those scenes are what really put me to sleep. Because it was like they would start with a drone or like something that was yeah. electronic and droney and then add another layer and then another layer and trying to listen to dialogue. It was just like hypnotizing me and just putting me like out. And maybe for kids in the 70s, it, it amped up the tension for them or as they were it watching. Them, it made them sedate yeah. so they'd sit down. <laughs> yeah. And then parents were like, oh, maybe this TV thing's not a bad idea. But I agree, Eugene. The audio work, along with some of the visuals, yeah. really mean, fought yeah. the story. They should have had some more like experimentation before they put it into production or something. They didn't have time. I know. I'm sorry for all those people that worked on it. They're probably <laughs> dead. <laughs> But I'm sorry. <laughs> it took us out of it. <laughs> that was good enough. Uh, despite all the, the, the shortcomings of the production value, I did think that this doctor has a big enough personality and look to him that like he definitely carried the show well. A disguised master installs a plastic phone cord inside unit. The doctor and Joe return and cut open the doll, only to find that it is solid plastic. The doctor orders some supplies, which will take a while to arrive. He leaves Joe and Captain Yates behind to wait, and goes with the Brigadier to investigate the Feral Factory. Yates turns on the Bunsen burner to make some cocoa. Oh, good. <laughs> the heat activates the doll, and it attacks Joe until Yates shoots it to pieces. Thank goodness. The Doctor and the Brigadier return with the plastic flower they found at the factory. The Doctor dismisses everyone when the phone rings. It's the Master calling, who sends sound waves through the phone to activate the cord which attacks the doctor in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> the brigadier hears cries for help and saves the doctor. Yates tells the doctor that similar flowers were handed out all over the place as part of a promotion by masked men. They locate the truck carrying the carnival masked autons and the brigadier orders an airstrike and leaves with Captain Yates. My favorite part was the use of the word blimey. By the telephone uh, technician, technician who's only installing a phone cord. <laughs> well, they were, they told him to get out of here. Where's your paperwork? He's like, "Blimey, you asking me? You know, I've been showing it." And Yates didn't even. He's like, oh, "Okay, you're good." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, know. I was wondering if it was going to be psychic paper, but me I know too. that was. It didn't. Think, you know, I we did watch the same show. <laughs> um, Albert, are you okay with this? <laughs> I was asleep a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was surprised that that ended up being the master in, dis the master in disguise. Um, I fell for it. Well, because it was a different actor. Yeah. Well, still. No. Yeah, the whole but the production for this it was, in America, the production for Saturday morning, oh, not yeah. for prime time shows. So oh, yeah. just the budgets were so mm. different between the two countries. You know, it's like, okay, they have to get this really bad mask when he pulls it off. But it's like, it, it, it so did look different. like him, though. Like, they painted it nice and really well. They get the doll, and why did the doll need heat to work when all the others don't? It's not explained, but that's just how the logic of the story works. I okay. think I have a theory, but it, we'll talk about it when we talk, get to the flowers and, bit. Okay. okay. And then the doctor wants to examine this doll. And, oh, look, it's just plastic. Right. 
that's what Autons are that he already knows. I mean, it's like the yeah. stretch. Yeah, third episode line. is always the stretch. We we sure, stretch that end. scene. An yeah. off-screen autopsy of a plastic doll. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, we get that. Sorry, <laughs> in the, real the scalpel goes down. In real right time, touches it. <laughs> well, do you see the scalpel? It's face. like it bounced off. It's like <laughs> it's not going to actually cut anything. We can't show it. Well, you know, somebody was like, "We can't." We only show have one doll. Cutting into the doll's body. We only have one doll. But they could have cut to other oh, people looking. But they can but, shoot the doll. They can't just dissect. Well, it. That was so weird, but still, it was so funny. Yeah, the and then I also like that. It's just like bullets yeah. going into it. It just explodes. <laughs> well, like, does the autopsy? He's like, let's try the head. <laughs> you know, but it's like, doctor, you already know this sucker's plastic. You know, but then he orders no, another. No, this sucker's electrical. What <laughs> 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 He orders the other equipment so he can find out more about the doll. And but that's the whole fine. idea was to we have to somehow separate him and the brigadier from Yates. And Joe, because they want to go do different things. Right. Well, yeah. But it's all want just cocoa. It is. It is. <laughs> we have to fill this extra. But episode. doctor, why is it solid plastic? <laughs> and was, then it's just kind of like okay, it's a waste of plastic. All right, we found out. We found out where the autons and the master is. All right, blow them up. But I thought the booby trap set for the doctor was a little, you know, kind of uh, on the fly. <laughs> Let's yeah. shove an auton into the safe. And instead of closing the door immediately, he, sell, he yells to the brigadier, watch yeah. out. I'm like, just close auton. the door. <laughs> and that is a huge hole in the wall just that the brigadier that... escaped. Uh, I guess it would be okay. I was thinking, God, that whoever buys that building next is going to open up that safe and there's just going to be this dead <laughs> auton in there. What? Who were the previous owners of this place? The Blimey. <laughs> Joe and the doctor work to discover how the flowers are activated and find the code inside them. Joe tries to reach the brigadier by walkie-talkie, which activates the flower. It sprays her face with clear plastic covering her nose and mouth. She is suffocating until the doctor is able to remove the plastic. The plastic then dissolves, leaving no trace. The master arrives with plans to kill the doctor, and begins to monologue. <laughs> they have distributed nearly half a million flowers and will activate them by radio. When half a million people die at once, it will cause enough chaos to allow the Nestine to land their invasion force. The master is going to kill the doctor and Joe, but the doctor grabs the TARDIS circuit. If he shrinks the doctor, he shrinks the circuit and can never travel in his TARDIS again. At that moment, Joe accidentally reveals the plans for the airstrike, so the master takes them to the quarry where the van and the autons are parked. Oh, no. I didn't realize he was going to shrink him. I thought it was just a gun. Did they say it's a shrink ray? He's got the shrink thing that it's, he used on. That he used in the beginning. Gooch. It's like his cigar. Because that uh, adds an air of sophistication. So to the alien. And it also looks like the way that the Santaran did in Time Warrior. So it shrinks and kills you at the same yeah, time? It, shr- it kills you by shrinking you. Oh. So it's not like when you get shrunk, you can still be a little guy going, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> but when it shrinks you, you're dead. It hurts. Yeah, yeah that would be painful. I thought the airstrike was just a little bit overkill. Yeah. <laughs> but, mm. but, you know, the Lisa Brigadier said, no, if it gets out of the quarry, yeah. it can go to a populous area and we can't kill, you know, destroy it then. I was actually disappointed that it wasn't all the explosion of the van wasn't part of Master's plan to begin with. That could have been like the Moriarty thing where he knew that's what was going to happen and that's why they're in the quarry and that's why. The situation was what it was, but then I'm like, they just dropped the ball. So everybody's at the quarry while he's going to the radio station. Yes. He's a step ahead. Yeah. And he's not. He's just... Yes. Which made me sad because he's supposed to be smart and supposed to know what's happening all along. And I was like, oh. Now I'm sad. That would have been good. It would have been. It would have made the writing better. So I was like, oh. 
So it's just, and then when he went back there, I'm like, why? Like, you're supposed to know that that was supposed to happen in the beginning. Because we've rented this quarry and we're going to use it. <laughs> we got an extra day. Let's go back. <laughs> we got one window and one quarry. <laughs> I'm and sure a woman you know, said that back then, but no one would listen to her. <laughs> After watching this episode, I watched Rose, the first episode with Eccleston mm-hmm. again. And I, would, I liked it better having seen this because there's two parts that I think they did definitely on purpose to reference this episode. And that is when they had the arm and the doctor first met the Auton's arm in Rose's apartment. Um, mm-hmm. But they thought, oh, Mickey was supposed to throw that out. And it goes after his neck. And to me, that was just like uh, Mr. Farrell Sr. And he has the doll on his neck mm. and it's attacking him. And then he pulls it off. Uh, Eccleston pulls off the arm and it goes after Rose, which goes after the nose and mouth. It's grabbing her face and covering mm-hmm. the nose and mouth and suffocating her. And so that reminded me of the yeah. daffodils. And it's just sort of seeing it one after the other. said, so, I really like this. It's kind mm-hmm. of a flashback to the Autons mm-hmm. and what's going on. So those and two d- just I thought were great. And done better. Now it makes more sense. Maybe I like that first episode more now. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that used to bother me about the Rose episode is that if they're just plastic, it can look like anything. Why don't? Why are they taking this humanoid form or like with a face... Well, you know, a vague face or whatever. But now that I know it's in reference to this. To me, watching Rose, the the, the nesting consciousness is just taking over existing mannequins. And they were mannequins. Because when we were watching this episode, Frank actually had to point out to me that they're making these bodies. But you see, when I was watching it, I was so used to the Rose episode. I'm like, okay, they got some mannequins Mm -hmm. and they're animating the mannequins. But that isn't the case. Right. But the doctor says that the nesting can manipulate plastics Mm -hmm. but then they also create their bodies so they can put their consciousness into them Mm -hmm. and the ones that are handing out the flowers are fighting with rex feral and saying no the master's not here we're taking our invasion forward and so he's arguing with the actual nestine who are the autons right but a lot of the other plastic is just what they're using i wish they had played that up more I, it really would have helped the climax of this episode yeah. if they had done more with the Auton suddenly becoming autonomous. Because it seemed like the master was in control the, whole the time. way that's written. And it's yeah. like he wasn't. There was that... Um, Independence growing. Adversity mm-hmm. going, no, they're trying to use the master to take over the earth. And the master's trying to use them right. as the same thing. But it's like, who's actually going to be ahead at the end of this? Well, it's funny because I always thought the master was the silliest name for, you know, uh, the doctor has a nice ring to it, but the master just felt really geeky and silly. But now watching this episode when that, uh, what was his name? The Rex? Uh, Beryl? Yeah, was uh, when he was, no, must obey the master. Right. And then, oh, that makes sense then. If he has this power to hypnotize people and he's calling him Himself the master, then it fits, and I and now I like it. And I just wish he would have acted stamp of approval. Oh, I didn't like the oh, acting. Actor Sorry, was, yeah, yeah, right. But well, it's like him trying to fight the master's influence, yeah. but it didn't come off well. well I don't know. There's a lot of caveats we got. Yeah. <laughs> also, that 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 takes us back to when we reviewed the TV movie with Eric Roberts, mm-hmm. because we had the discussion: Did he take over Yi? You know, and. We weren't quite certain whether he did or not. Oh, and over it could Eric. be because some of us knew that the master hypnotizes people, and, and some, some of us, us didn't. didn't. Yeah, the Brigadier and Yates are at the quarry awaiting the airstrike. They call it off once they see Joe and the Doctor arrive with the master. Abort! 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 We need more abort license plates. <laughs> <laughs> They drive the van to the radio telescope where the doctor and Joe jump out to safety. The master goes to the control cabin to attach the nesting energy unit. The doctor follows him and convinces the master that the nesting will not see him as different. 
He will die along with all the humans. They will work together to reverse the radio's polarity, flinging the nesting into space. The autons are now brainless and fall to the ground. The master runs back to the van. When he comes out again, he has a gun and is shot dead by return fire from Yates. When they examine the body, they find it is Rex Farrell in a master mask. <gasps> the van takes off and gets away. Back at unit, the doctor tells them that the master has the circuit for his TARDIS, which won't work on the horse trailer. The master is stuck on Earth. We haven't seen the last of the master. At one point, Farrell, when he's coming here, tries to stop the van, and that's when the doctor and Joe can jump out. And it's just, again, the cry chops him over one direction, and he falls the opposite direction. <laughs> it's just it's like, okay, you have to fall towards the camera. And I like how Joe's the one who escapes. Yes. Because she's able was, to get out that of her... was one of her skills that she listed earlier, so... It was yes. done well. The doctor, oh, I wish I could get out of my restraints. And she goes, here, my hand, I've got out. <laughs> oh, good. And then she, you know, frees the doctor. And then the, the, the pressing of the brake pedal for the Morse code. I thought it was a great idea, but why are you writing an essay? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when yeah. they read that message, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you got all of that. Bomb okay. on bus. Now they're telling us. Don't go going above on. 50. Bomb on bus. Stop. Dear Brigadier. <laughs> It has been a fortnight oh, yes. since we have corresponded. <laughs> I hope this finds you well. I am in rather distressed situations, as you can tell. Signed, truly yours. And your friend, as always. Oh, and Joe is here with me as well. T. Doctor. Yes, the radio station. Uh, <laughs> what does he say, man? What does he say? I always like it when the good guy and the bad guy have to work together for an even better guy yeah but you don't flip in a half a second no you don't but i it's which is why i wanted yeah. more of the autons being mm -hmm. autonomous because mm -hmm. if they had built that up and if the master had seen it then it would be kind of like oh yeah this kind of makes they sense and put, i could have accepted that more they could have put more of that build in episode three instead of stretching yeah. out all that yeah. stuff but right. i totally agree with you and i did think for as quick of a turn as it was the actors sold it mm -hmm. yeah like and then they reverse the polarity, which is a key phrase of the third Doctor's era. Oh, really? Everything they do is, reverse the polarity, that answers it. <laughs> and it just flings this awful right, right. special effect out into space. Like chalk lines on film or something. It looks horrible. I thought it was sad that they killed so many people. There's so much death in this. Like, think about his mom. Like, he lo she mm -hmm. lost her husband and child. Yeah. yeah. Like, the oh, yeah, same the widow day, Feral. the widow Feral. Yeah. So it's just like it's if you think about like how many people died and all the 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 unit soldiers mm -hmm. when we were yeah. seeing them getting blown yeah. up and yeah. I mean it really is and then the guy who falls to his death oh yeah the guy oh, in, in the lab oh. and then they call for the stretcher yeah yeah, like, yeah they go to yeah. a stretcher party <laughs> one thing I thought of was if that had been filmed today he would have hit some of the beams on the yeah. way down and flipped. Um, casual death too. Casual and the, like not even like address like when they saved them in the quarry. Like how many of the people that was trying that were trying to save them died? Yeah, and then not addressed. Know, and the the master drives off in this lumbering bus. They've got cars there, but no, sorry, it's the end of the episode. Uh, we'll meet again. No one's left to drive them. <laughs> <laughs> some of the explosions were good, but I thought some of the. Um, effects of the explosions were kind of funny because the people were, who were being blown up would kind of blow up with their arms up in the air yeah, and fall back. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it just sort of seemed big, 
grandiose explosions with their arms trying to fly or something. It's and just... a number of the soldiers got shot in the gun. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's where they could hide. That's where they could put yeah. the explosion. Yeah. yeah. Having seen Spearhead from Space and Terror of the Autons, I like the continuity of the kind of yellow mustardy color explosion that they oh, use really? on the... You know, oh, yeah, they did do yeah. that. It's fair yeah, when, they're, when the Autons are firing their arm hand guns at oh, the, the unit soldiers. Yates just doesn't take crap from anybody. He's just like, nope, shooting you dead. And, and the guy, uh, Feral, masquerading as the master, does a great death fall. That is how you die on screen. <laughs> I mean, he's the innocent guy, Rex. He's and there's, no, he's no nobody cares that he's dead, and there's no, oh, I killed the wrong man. It's just mm. nothing. But at least we got the master stuck on Earth. Yay! Looking forward to that. <laughs> Comparing um, this to Tomb of the Cybermen, one of the things that I felt that Tomb of the Cybermen did much better was all the characters were were human and they had motivation and they were deceitful. So you had to figure out like, well, why are they doing that? And what is, you know, why are they sending those people off down there? And what it, it allowed you to, to kind of be more with them um, as characters where this, I think part of the problem is that the master's power of hypnotism, like you end up with mindless zombies that you don't, you do try to care about, but you, you can't reason out like, well, why are they doing this? Because you know it's because they're under control, and so I think that was one of the, the the reasons why like this whole arc kind of fell flatter compared to to some older ones, which was really good. Like even though the the effects were cheesy in Tomb of the Cybermen, you you could actually yeah, yeah follow the story and the characters. And that one because you're it's it was a very interesting script to see where you everyone has different motivations and who's gonna like everyone's trying to convince the other person to side with them so it was you really didn't know where this was going to go where this was we know what the master's doing for the most part we see that they don't know and we just watch them try to figure out what we already know mm-hmm. so i agree yeah and the the auton subplot probably would have been the key place to have that like oh are they going to double cross mm-hmm. yeah because there's only like one layer of story going on this whole four episodes Whereas in Tomb of the Cybermen, you are trying to figure out what's going on and why is that character walking in the background? Yeah. And everyone has their own motivations in that. The guy who you know thinks he's being um, siding with uh, the the woman scientist, yeah. uh, for his own gain, mm-hmm. and then she has his. You know, everyone has their own uh, ulterior motive. Yeah, hey, it almost would have been better if Rex had gone with the master without being hypnotized, right? Mm. And because I couldn't really invest in anybody, a lot of stuff just went over my head because right. I wasn't. I wasn't closely following. Or even if Rex acted it better and they had more of what his struggle was trying to come out of it to make yeah. it a little more interesting. Yeah. But that's have... not what this was at the time. Right. Yeah. They were doing, I think at yeah. this point, it was more for kids. This is just more simple, one-dimensional. And some of the other doctors in the past had a little bit more. That's how they wrote it. The whole season was, we have budget cuts. Mm. So I think part of that was also just make the stories a little more simplistic. Just And that translated to the writing and the character development. Is there any sort of morality tale that they're trying to tell in this story? There's Too not. much plastic. But, yeah. the, but it could have been. It could have been the yeah. dangers I, of chemicals. Yeah. It could, but there's no argument about it. Right. It's just mentioned and then moved on. So it is. But, but like earlier Doctor Who's. There's deep, deeper questions that are asked. I mean, I know there's one episode where they go back to the Aztecs 
and one of the companions gets mistaken as a goddess of the Aztecs. And so she thinks it's great because she's going to tell them to stop doing human sacrifices. And the doctor says, you can't. You'll change history. The Aztecs are what the Aztecs are, and they can't change. You know, realize what you're going to do. And that created the moral dilemma of, do I change this society? Do I have the right to change this society? And if I do this, what are going to be the consequences? And will it actually even be anything better? Even though I want to save people's lives. You don't get that here. Maybe there were a bunch of kids in the 70s who wouldn't answer a phone after this. Oh, the cord's going to get him. The cord, yeah, the cord's going to get him. Like people who didn't go swimming after Jaws. Well, the doctor's face during that scene. Oh, my God. That's way over the, the top. Oh. Oh, gosh. Did you get it? Maybe we'll put a screen cap of that on the uh, website. We should. Uh, this serial has been heavily criticized following its um, airing due to making everyday things horrific and into <laughs> killing items. There including you go. A plastic chair, a troll doll, a telephone cord, the artificial daffodil. And then officers from Scotland Yard also complained to the producer about their representation of the autons masquerading as policemen, <laughs> saying that they would make the public afraid of policemen. Kind of like what Blink did for statues. Right. <laughs> but it's such a common occurrence nowadays. Yeah, I was going to say, in every Moffat episode. <laughs> I do like our version of the master now more after seeing this and i also like the whole the the network of mind control like i understand now that oh that's like taking that kind of right hypnotism mm -hmm. to a different like, level idea to a to right. a modern level mm -hmm. and you know so thank you for sharing that part because that does make the yeah the, the new whole season um actually in the way over here today i was listening to our last episode that just got dropped of uh was it last of the time lords mm -hmm. talking about the uh the archangel network so yeah now that you mention it and that's why we want to do these classics mm -hmm. yeah. i mean they're they're not the best episodes in the world but they're going to tie in somehow because we do want to tie into what we're talking about in the present mm -hmm. i remember even thinking uh in the episode rose when their hands became guns how ridiculous that was but now i enjoy <laughs> it because it's, it's a, a reference callback. to this yeah but what you just said about the master makes a lot of sense as well it's just very layered so as we were going through uh terror of the autons i was just noting down things that have carried over and stay consistent with our modern version that we know of the doctor uh, the doctor's motivation is curiosity the master's still vain. Uh, <laughs> Joe Grant as a companion is used for exposition. The, like you said, you mentioned the Archangel Network in the last of season three is the master's hypnotizing power gone to a different level and a modern level. And then what you mentioned with the Autons, their first sort of appearance in Rose, the, the choking aspect and the asphyxiation aspect done here. And then... The gun. Uh, yeah, the gun. The well, that, gun. that's more of a... The gun hand. Yeah, that's more continuity. And then also, what's I just found this very uh, convenient, is that this is the first appearance of the master. And through us, we the first appearance that the, the master has and... The contact, the first contact he has with the doctor is over the telephone, just in the way that mm. John Sim and David Tennant have first contact is through Martha's cell phone. You're oh, right. Oh, really? That's interesting. Oh, that's so cool. Hmm. So I like that. It, because it's built up of them talking about the other, and then when they finally get to talk to each other, it's over the phone. And that stays the same. So, you know, Terror of the Autons. That's and, awesome. And Sound of Drums have that connected yeah. tissue. And it was also worth noting that the doctor has his band of military men with him. The master has his band of circus people, carnies, uh, backing him up. 
on the surface level, the master is very charming and charismatic, and the doctor is very abrasive. Mm-hmm. So I think that that dual- duality between Moriarty and Holmes is very realized in what they were trying to yeah. set out to do. Oh, if something works, steal it. Real quick, Captain Yates is played by Richard Franklin, and he was in Rogue One. He's an engineer on Edu. He's oh. one of the ones that gets shot. Well, okay. That wraps up Terror of the Autons. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by our very own Auburn. Find me at auburnbinkley.com. You can find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcasts. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Who Knew Podcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who, the longest running sci-fi show in history, and especially the revival spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. I think we should dedicate this episode to Diddy Powell, though. Yes. <laughs> Denny did a good job. He was the hardest worker. Yeah, he yeah. was, man. Practicing at home. I guess we'll see him next fall. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to follow along, do you? It's like I, had, I printed out one extra. If you want to follow sure, along. Sure, I'll follow along. Maybe, I'll, maybe that's how I'll actually remember what Read ahead. Actually, no, you should give it to Josh. <laughs> did this happen yet? Oh, yes, it didn't. <laughs> It's so part of the charm check, of the show. Just, check mark. Just, right, right. just read ahead a paragraph. Oh, it's nice that you find yourself charming. That's <laughs> <laughs> what my mom said. Doesn't count. <laughs> just kidding. Right, now that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> that's one to grow on. You say that a lot. Do I? Knowing is half the battle? No, that's mine. <laughs> it's January! <laughs>